2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn. slash recommend today. Two hundred
3: four DGS. Stay to Kevin. Sure thing. I got a question. Couple questions for you guys.
1: Let's. Do, you got to. I'm assuming we want to go fun. Is that where yeah, we're going to go? go That's fun. where I kind of want to go to. Um, <clears throat> so, do you guys see the things about how? movie theaters but especially amc theaters they're trying to find ways to get back to where they used to be right so they're doing different promotions you see this like this past summer the movie theaters came back but the big reason they came back was what do you think like their big resurgence was due to what barbenheimer mm, no mm. Is taylor it is- swift
3: Oh, the concerts that was even bigger.
1: Yeah, the that combined with like was it Beyonce doing it or yeah, yeah, I think Beyonce. So they're trying to figure out ways that they're going to, you know, generate the excitement because apparently just plain old movies isn't doing it. Um, You know, this is something that is an issue in sports too. Um, College sports probably a little more than pro, but it's a big deal now where people would rather just stay home and watch on TV as opposed to go to college football. College football attendance, on average, not at like Alabama or Michigan or whatever, but on average has been down pretty gradually, but consistently in the last 10 years. And what I wanted to throw at you guys was, is there anything that that any of these entities can do? Movie theaters, sporting events, whatever, aside from making it a lot less expensive... That would boost things back to where they used to be. Because my argument is no, because home entertainment is too good now. There used to be a gap, a huge gap, between the quality of seeing a movie at the movie theater and seeing it at home. But now when you've got your big flat screen HD TVs and 4K TVs and then the next generation of TVs coming, plus your sound system and the comfort of your own home, the bathroom right behind you, the pause button if you want it, all the food that you have in your house is there, you don't have to spend $25 on popcorn and a drink. I think even if the prices came down, I'm not sure there's anything you can do to win that battle against
3: technology. This is going to sound dumb, but I think they have to make it very, very easy for you and it can't suck. And you guys know the story where I went to the Esquire. I'm just going to name them. And I went three times and, and it sucked worse each time. And the last time I went to see the Demeter, the the vampire movie. And there were so many teenagers running around, literally not sitting down, that eventually a cop came. And I'm like, well, this is my cue. So if you're worse than you used to be, There's no way. There's not a chance in hell. And you can do all the marketing you want to do and you can do all the happy, happy horse crap you want to do and, you know, try to go retro. But if it is a bad experience for whatever reason, there's no way people are going to go back to the theaters. It's going to have to be substantially better than it's ever been. And I don't think they have it in them.
4: Yeah, I don't think they have them in have it in them either and I don't think that's the point anymore. I don't I don't think the point anymore is you go and you sit in silence and you have you know the most like potent movie watching experience. I think it is designed around Taylor Swift now and it's let's go see the Eras tour and everybody's going to be up in the aisles dancing and cheering yeah. and singing along. I think it's turning into a, a group experience thing rather than, uh, oh, this is my first chance to see this movie. So I think that's why places like, you know, the Alamo Draft House, they, they have these like themed nights right. and they'll bring back an older movie and play that and people get dressed up and I think that's what people get excited about for, get excited for way more yeah. than just like, oh, I need to see this new movie.
1: I think their ticket is that kind of thing. I mean, whether, it, concerts seem to be the main thing, but, But why do you think that that was such a success with whether it's Taylor Swift or Beyonce or any other massive uh, tour that happens in a given summer? Why is it? Well, because that's going to be the cheaper version. Yeah. Right. You're not going to spend four hundred dollars to go see Taylor Swift at a movie theater. You're probably going to spend 15, Mm -hmm. maybe 20. And then on top of that, if you're eating something, maybe another per person, I mean, another 20 or 25. So you're going 50 bucks instead of 400 or 500 or a thousand. I think that's probably the ticket, but for movies, I mean, Dave, when you look at your TV setup, is the, is your experience at a movie theater that much better no. just from a technology standpoint? It's better to me for the blockbusters. Cause I like the big screen. Yeah, You know, I like the sound system where the, the studio or studio, the, uh, the theater shakes and it rumbles. Like when you, when I saw Jurassic park for the first time, it was so cool to be in that environment. And I still want to see the big movies like that, but it's not a must anymore. It may end up being
3: like that. Nick is a big Dune guy. Yeah, yeah. He's read all the books. Last night he went, I guess it opened last night, Mm -hmm. went to see Dune 2, went to an IMAX or something like that, and had an absolute blast. It may end up that that's what it ends up being, that the theater experience ends up being the IMAX experience. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then they're going to have to be creative. But I, I keep seeing these ideas they're talking about you know, promos that are going to try to kickstart a resurgence or whatever. No. And, and it's not, it's none of Marketing those things. Marketing is not going to do it. No. it. You have to be different. You have to either be more, you have to find a way to be better
3: than the home experience. Although I haven't been there yet, the things I've heard about like Alamo Drafthouse, mm-hmm. you're going to have to do things like that to where when you say go to the theater, we all picture what we think of as going to the theater. Right. And we probably all picture within 5% the same thing. Yeah. That's to me, that's kind of done. Yeah, especially when it's less good than it used to be.
1: Yeah, well, that and I and I would put to me the comparison is like Blockbuster you have to adapt, but how much can you? Yeah, but you know who did was Netflix because Netflix used to be Blockbuster by mail, that used to be what they were, Mm -hmm. but they they adapted as things were changing, and now they are one of the top entertainment companies. What
3: could be next? So we yeah, used to have good movies, yeah. theaters, yeah. then we had Redbox, yeah. now we just have everything on our television. Yeah. How? What could there be? How could it become more convenient or easy?
1: Well, the only thing, it has to be more spectacular. It has to be worth your time. So as an example, why do I want to go to a Cardinals game instead of watching it at home? Well, it is better in person, but it's because it's in person. It's like a movie is still a movie, whether it's on my screen at home or on a screen at the theater. It's a recorded project that's be, a project that's being put up on a screen, and to me, that's the same thing. The difference is, why do you want to go see? Although,
3: let me. Here is a crazy thing to argue, but I'll argue it anyway. I would argue that if I just want to watch a baseball game, it's easier on television. I see more on television. It's more exciting in person, right? And I've got hot dogs and beer and the smells and the sounds and the people, the and energy the energy of everything. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, but it, unless I'm up with Ricky in the in the press box, I think it's better watching it at home. It depends, well, uh, but the experience is better.
1: I think you're right for the norm. Yeah, like, I know. Like there are dorks like me. Like I want to see all the little things you can't see on TV. You know, I want to see where's the defender moving yeah, right before the pitch. Yeah, 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 but I'm a nerd. I'm, yeah. I mean like I'm be- I don't think that's anywhere near normal. I think it's abnormal for a norm for a sports fan. Yeah, Not that there aren't a lot of us. It's just that I don't think that's a normal thing. Yeah. Cuz on TV, you're only seeing the pitcher and the hitter and then wherever the ball goes in person, you can see what are they doing? Where are they moving? What's the manager doing? Is he signaling from the dugout? Like you can see all these other things, but I don't think most people care about that stuff.
3: You know what else is so weird? And, and this is a topic we could have done five years ago and probably did, but it's still sad to me to go to like a concert or a baseball game or an event and everyone is watching it through their phone. Yeah. And how often, Rach, I remember when we went to see Counting Crows with Skip and a big crew of people. Remember that? Yeah. And I filmed the first 30 seconds of it. I've never gone back and watched that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to go back and watch that. Uh, I talked about when Phoebe won National Honor Society. I taped it and I missed the moment. I don't know. It just, it's, its just kind of sad to me to see like a gazillion phones up at at any event.
4: But don't you think that event, that's what events are turning into. People want to get, not everyone is taking that video so they can watch it back later. Most people are taking that video so they can put it up on their Instagram story and be like, I was here.
1: Yeah. And I'm the opposite of you, Dave, in that sense that I do actually go back and watch them sometimes. You know, I I mean, I like I, I took, a I don't, but I'm not the guy that's going to have the phone up the whole show. The phone is going to be up for the first 30 seconds of a song, you know, like when we went to, when I went to Metallica, because some of it, the lead up, the visuals is not the same as what you'll just hear on, you know, your iPhone.
3: I know it's, it's very difficult to measure this, but do you think people had more fun in the seventies when at the most they had a little Instamatic at Disney World as opposed to the mm. constant filming? It's
1: a good question cuz I don't like constant pictures and constant all that. I like I want to do it here and there, like maybe when we first walked in and then that's it. I don't want to do it nonstop throughout the course of the day, right? I don't want, "Hey, we're at lunch. Hey, we're at the you yeah. know, we're we're at the Small World. Hey, we're at Peter Pan." I don't want to do all that. But I think I don't know, it's weird i mean, like for me it you, what you're saying sounds more fun, right? Like put the camera away except for small instances. But If you grew up on it, maybe you don't know the difference. Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting to me how we always, like, I I get why movie theaters want to go back to what it used to be, because those were the gravy days. Those were the salad. It was, you know, let's be honest. They had it easy forever, Mm -hmm. right? You were the only big show in town. Mm -hmm. And to see that big blockbuster when it came out, the next time you could see it was six months later when it would be on a a VCR tape.
3: When you're going to, when the only advantage is it's on a bigger screen. But my, I've never understood the spatial things like this, but I have to believe that me setting 12 feet away from a 70 or 80 inch screen <laughs> is probably similar to the theater. And I guarantee my TV's better quality than the big spread out. Now, IMAX and stuff like that are different. Right, right. But right. if you tell me like, well, but but you get to sit in seats where people have been farting for 18 <laughs> years. <laughs> and we're only going to charge you $12 for a soda and $15 for popcorn. So you really should come here. Yeah. It's like, you're not doing a good job.
1: No, and I think that, that's it. I, I, I guess my point of bringing this up is why would you as a company or as an industry waste your time trying to go back to a time that is not coming back? Mm-hmm. Like I think the way forward is maybe concerts where somebody can go see their favorite mm-hmm. artist, even I'm like nothing's going to replicate Taylor Swift, right? Short of another Taylor Swift tour. But every, there are popular people out there that fans would like to go see that and not spend a hundred dollars or 200 dollars yeah. or whatever and go for 15 or 20 and have a party with their group of friends and dance in the aisles and do all that other stuff. I think that might be the path forward if you want to continue to exist.
3: 222 DGS, bottom of the hour. Braxton Payne's going to be here. He was on Think Tank this week, and uh, one of the topics really kind of stuck in his craw, and he wants to come back and take another shot at it. Matt Pauley's going to join us from Jupiter, or is he back home? No, no. No, he's Jupiter, in Jupiter. Yeah. Okay. And they uh, have got Dave Murray. Then we have the Catholic Fish Smackdown. Let's talk to Bob online too. Hello, Bob.
5: Hi. Uh, good morning. I just have a story about uh, my wife and I were up in Alaska on a, whale watching tour and uh, the whales were real active and everybody was out filming the whales with their cameras and oohing and on and after about 10 minutes the captain finally pleaded with everybody actually pleaded to please put your phones down and enjoy the moment with the mountain, snow-covered mountains in the background and the calm sea and the whales coming he actually begged them to hmm. please put it down and enjoy what you're seeing instead of looking through your, you know, through your phones to replay it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Did people tend to do it, Bob? Well, nah, you know, maybe for 30 seconds and then they're, <laughs> ah, <that's laughs> they're fine. Right, right back doing it. But the fact that he he really appreciated what everybody should be seeing, yeah. you know. I yeah. agree. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate yeah. I
1: appreciate it. I'm in between on it, like. I understand the point of not missing the actual moment while you're there but you're out there for you know I would assume for more than a few minutes so if you if you record for a 30 seconds or a minute and then you put it down are you really missing it
3: I saw a bigfoot and I didn't even take a picture of him <laughs> but if you
1: if you caught it on camera you'd be a lot more excited wouldn't
3: you Oh, yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd be a little bit more of a thing I was literally holding a, a camera in my hand
1: <laughs> if you got it though you would have been like that's amazing.
3: You know, it's interesting. I went to dinner with Scott the other night, uh, my buddy Scott Rutledge, and we're the we saw Bigfoot together. Whatever it was, we saw. And I told him, I said, "It's not like my memory's fading, but it's my memory's weird of the thing we saw." Yeah, it's very cartoonish in my mind. And mm-hmm. he goes, "I remember every second of it." And I said, "Tell me the story." And he told me the story, and it, everything that he said lined up with what I saw. Saw the same thing. But he had so much more detail, huh. and it really helped. And what I'm thinking of cartoonish is pretty much what we saw. Okay, it was just so tall and so thin and so utterly devoid of light, black, blacker than black, sucking up the sunshine. That it, you know, like when you're a kid and you'd make the hangman little stick guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my sister, who's an artist, taught me how to do. Rudimentary cartoons in the corner of books, where you you draw a little guy, then you draw the next one. It, he's yep. raising his hand. Hmm. That's what this thing we saw looked like. That's the way it moved. It moved very herky jerky, and weird. Uh, but that was so fascinating. We're sitting at Lester's, having a little corned beef, and he's telling me the story, and I'm like, "This is so fascinating." Yeah.
4: Well, don't you wish you would have filmed it?
3: Well, here's the thing: uh, people who who have ex- experience like like this. It's not just seeing Bigfoot. It could be seeing anything that you're completely not ready for. Right. That your brain really sort of brain farts. You really sort of, and I knew that. Like, like, I saw, I had my encounter after listening to a thousand encounters and having been in the Rockies for two days already with my head on a swivel looking for Bigfoot. And <laughs> there's a picture of me I could post, which is Scott took a picture of me, handed me my phone and then said, what's that? And he pointed, and I said, "I don't see anything." And I did the classic thing where I got behind him and looked straight down his finger, and then I saw this thing that had walked out of this little uh, group of woods. And I'm holding my phone, but my brain is going: antelope, toaster, yeah, Greg Brady. It's solving problems. It's trying to figure problems. it out. Yeah, and it took less than ten seconds for me to realize. But then I was just in such utter amazement. One at the irony. Then I'm looking for it. And there it is. You don't ever see something when you're looking <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, it never crossed my mind once. Interesting. Yeah.
1: But you'd, But if you, if I said, do you wish you would have thought of it? Oh, do you?
3: God, yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%.
4: But I wonder yes. how many moments are missed when it's like, oh, I better film that. And then you're fumbling with your phone to yeah, yeah. get the yeah. shot. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's yep. why you got to be...
1: But you so got to always have it ready. Yeah,
4: like real photographers are <laughs> great at using their tools and getting there quickly, and the rest of us are like, oh, Do you have anything other
3: than just, like, you know, pictures of the girls or pictures of your daughter, do you have anything on your phone that was an impromptu, oh, my God, look at this, that you still have and you still look at? Mm.
1: Sporting event stuff. So the best one to me was the David Fries home run from 2011 oh, that's Game good 6. Yeah, that's like, cool. if I didn't have my phone out... At that moment, I I, I didn't know that was going to be the moment the game ended. I I had no idea, but I had the phone out because I'm like, ah, something cool cool might happen, and it happened too. But I also had to delete like the four pitches before it (laughs) because nothing happened. (laughs)
3: 233 DGS and KMOX. Happy Friday. Braxton Payne's here. That's what we should talk about is that story. That's amazing.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I saw this morning I have a one-year-old and uh, there's a big full-length mirror in our hallway. And she was running up and down, but she wasn't playing with it. And it's not really attached to the wall, which it probably should have been. And she was running right by it and it just completely fell on the ground, shattered. So I grabbed her and almost hit her. And I had the bath ready for her, so I threw her in the bath. Well, the bath water was a little too hot, so she screamed at that. And then so finally I got her down for a nap, and this is all within 20 minutes. I take the mirror outside, and I leave the door open as I'm bringing it to the alley. Come back inside, there's a bird. And (laughs) I'm definitely afraid of fish. I never get in the ocean. I don't like fish. I don't like unpredictable animals. And then birds is definitely number two. So I was running around this morning. And then finally, I was picking up the glass and I went to Costco, got a hot dog, and got a, one of their Kirkland uh, things of tequila for uh, and about for the ride know, 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be making a homemade margarita, uh, that's for sure. Oh,
3: man, that's a bad Frasier episode. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
6: It was, I was like, I can't. This is kind not a bird. Real. Oh, who knows? A little one. A little one? <laughs> it it one, one? Okay. Little, I named it Frederick. So uh, <laughs> I figured because it, it made me feel better if it had a name. Yeah. So, uh, uh, come I got on, it Frederick, now, get so. out of here. So
3: is this like a, from childhood? Fear of fish? No, thing.
6: I no, I just don't. Uh, just don't dig I, it. I don't like things that are unpredictable. I'm, yeah. I'm not like I don't want to consider myself a control freak, but it's just like I like. things sort of, that are a little bit predictable. I'm sort
3: of like that. I feel uh, I feel like a wuss about this, but I'm not a big lake swimmer. Oh, like oh, when I can't oh. see what's happening, yeah, I just
6: don't like the thought of that. Oh no, I, I I I've never gotten in the lake of the Ozarks. I mean, I I've gotten table Rock, Table Rock Lake once. Oh, I've gotten in the ocean a couple times, but. When there like really a lot of waves, so like the fish can't really like hang around. <laughs> Sharks don't scare me. It's the fish that scare me. <laughs> How fascinating! And jellyfish. You're an interesting, dude. Yeah. Well, jellyfish. Yeah. yeah. Jellyfish are terrifying. That's no me. good. I don't like those things in the
3: Amazon that swim up your stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't I want,
6: don't want those. Like yeah. Those. Oh. Yeah.
3: <laughs> We had those in South Santa, but they were neighbors. Um, <laughs> so you wanted another bite at the apple on the Joe Biden issues that we talked about.
6: Yeah. So on, on Thursday, we kind of talked about the Michigan primary and how that was going to you know, play out with the uncommitted vote. And I was watching a lot of the news coverage that night, and it was interesting to me. It was, it was a lot of focus on even like the headline, I think, in The Washington Post was Trump wins big. You know, Biden struggles to get uncommitted voters to his side. Well, Joe Biden won with 81 percent of the vote in Michigan, Uh, and there was an organized campaign to vote uncommitted, unlike before. But it's interesting to look at in in uh, in historical context, because in 2012, when Barack Obama was up for reelection, 11 percent in Michigan voted uncommitted Uh, without any prompting. Yeah, without any prompting. So and also you think about it and it's also interesting in 2012, there was only about 250,000 Democrats that showed up in that primary over 750,000 Democrats in Michigan showed up on Tuesday to vote in that Michigan primary. Uh, so there is and – then, and then you have on the other side where Donald Trump you know, won with 68 percent of the vote. And it's also a lot of the time the narrative is that you know, he walked away with it. And it just kind of struck me as we continue like, – it seems to be like in 2020, uh, especially the mainstream media, always was, gave a pass to Donald Trump. On a lot of things that he would say, you know, Hillary Clinton, there was always like she was held to a higher standard. And I feel like the same way with Joe Biden and Joe Biden in 2020. He won by eight million votes. And then Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump by three million votes four years prior. So a lot of these polling that I'm seeing, first off, if you see national polls, those are the biggest load of crap uh, of all time because national polls really mean nothing. Uh really swing state polls is where you should be looking at. And then also looking at, you know, is there like in Arizona there could be a third party candidate like a Robert Kennedy. In some states there might not be mm. because of how their how their states are. But Donald Trump continues to underperform the polls each time. So if you go into Michigan, he was predicted to win by 42 percent of the vote. You know, he he got less. He got less than that or it was 57. He was predicted to win by 57, only got 42. So he lost by 50. You know, that was 15 points that the polls were off by. Uh, and it's really interesting this time. It, one of the first times in American history that we essentially have two incumbents running. I wanted to ask you.
3: So Nikki Haley has been getting 30 percent, 40 percent which means 30 to 40 percent of the uh, Republicans voting in these states are voting against Donald Trump. And I said that to someone like, well, he can't win with that. And they said, well, those people are going to Mm -hmm. vote for him once the general gets here. Do we have any data to
6: show whether that's true or not? Most of them will come home. I mean, it happened in 20 in 2016 when he won. Uh, It happened in 2020, uh, even though he didn't really have anybody like a primary challenge. Uh, like he does now. Typically, most of the people that will vote in a primary will come home to the nominee. Uh, that's why it's also important if, for Joe Biden, in the uncommitted part, the, the Dearborn mayor, which is, uh, it, first off, I want to mention that in Talib's home district, which is one of the squads, she's been an outspoken member of the ceasefire, uh, one of the only votes that, you know, voted against the Israel funding package. Uh, Joe Biden won that district by 78 percent. So he only underperformed it by 3%, and that's the home of Dearborn, where the mayor spoke out. So... When we're talking about those things, they t- and even the mayor said afterwards. He goes, "I want just Joe Biden to listen," and and they specifically asked him, "Will you vote for him in November?" And his answer was most likely.
3: So, um, aside from what you personally feel mm-hmm. about Gaza, Israel, do you think that Joe Biden is being treated fairly by his own party when it comes to his dealings with Netanyahu and calling for ceasefires? And
6: yeah, so this is the way to do it. If you if you want to do it, do it. Uh, with the uncommitted vote, have dialogue and do it in public instead of, you know, having like, what, what the Republicans tried to do in 2016. The Donald Trump really fractured the party and, and, it, and it fractured it for a long time. We're still seeing the effects of that today. You see all the Ryan McCarthy members of Congress all resigning now because they don't want primary challenges. It, it was bad. Uh, so what they but regardless of my personal feelings is is when you see what's happening in public with Joe Biden, and and what's happening with Donald Trump? It's going to be them too. And and the fact that we continue to talk about, hey, this could be this this candidate. there, you know Gavin Newsom's going to run. I, I, I just I don't see it. It's, it's pretty much impossible. And and the sad part is, is Nikki Haley. Even though she she collected, like, I think, two delegates in Michigan, if it was at the Democratic primary, she would collect a lot of delegates, so she had a lot of say at the national yeah. at the convention. But she will not have that. So I said yesterday that I that
3: I think Nikki Haley's play. Is she wants to hang around so that if Donald Trump is convicted, she's the go to person. And also that if he's not convicted and he's reelected and it's a cluster, then she's the I told you so person. Do you think that's accurate or am I just missing the mark?
6: No, that's that's probably a lot of it. Uh, her donors are also pushing her. There's a lot of lot of donors that are saying, stay in the race. We need you to be that voice. Uh, donors drive a lot in politics, as we all know. So that's important. But in the Republican primary, it's interesting. John McCain ran twice. He became the nominee the second time. Mitt Romney ran three times, twice. You know, he became the nominee the second time. Republicans are usually, they, they trend to to somebody that they know. Yeah. So therefore, I could see here, oh, I'm just going to continue this on and have name ID. And in four years, yeah. the, the Trump faction of the party is going to be, uh, if he loses, very little of much influence. I mean, look at the midterms. It was supposed to be a red wave. The Trump voters didn't show up. And Democrats won just as many seats as or more seats than anybody thought. So
4: we
3: all know that... DeSantis wore high heeled white moon boots and struggled to seem human. Um, So he didn't help himself out. But if you could go back even before all of that, would you have advised DeSantis? I don't just set this one out. Why don't you be the guy for eight years from now? (laughs) Uh, Just knowing (laughs) how Trump
6: is. Yes, I I would have. I mean, first off, you know, Trump lives in Florida now. And he wasn't going to win his own home state. And just like you you saw with Nikki Haley not winning her own home state, that's a problem. Uh, You should always be able to pick up that home state because it just means momentum. Uh, It was the same thing, I think, what happened with DeSantis. In in the closed rooms, it was a lot of donors excited about that he was getting national news attention, which is hard to do for any governor, uh, and what they viewed as positive news attention. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was on Fox News every single night or one of his surrogates, or he was, you know, the headline on, you know, Tucker Carlson's show. So he was very favorable. And then you, it came to right before the primary started, and then you you saw those focus groups and all these primary voters, well, I like DeSantis, but I wish he wouldn't run. That should have been his key of like, oh, I should just sit this out and really endorse him. Because yeah. once Donald Trump goes after you, uh, yeah. he's it's, he's powerful. Yeah. Uh, and he comes after you, and he comes after the jugular.
3: So I hear Democrats saying uh joe biden get out there start campaigning we need to see you need to hear from you and others saying he's just fine where he is eating ice cream just let him lay back until the last minute that he can possibly wait to go out and campaign where do you come down
6: joe biden's never been a big rally campaigner he's never been good at it he's always been better at those small town halls he connects with people he takes the time uh he's better on -on one-on-one conversations and when he ran for president before he dropped out in 2008, uh, when he became vice president. You even saw him when he was uh, on the campaign trail in 2012. He wasn't hosting big rallies, he was doing the literal kitchen table talks where yeah. he would go to somebody's home, sit in their home, and have conversations. He's better that way uh, so that they're playing up to his strengths. But the only thing is a lot of Democrats that I talk to is the frustration is not running on his record. I mean, record low unemployment, the, yeah. the stock market's at record high. And and we're, we're seeing those things that a lot of times also the media talks about when it's a Republican president that Democrats don't get credit for uh, and the Chips and Science Acts. we're seeing millions and billions of dollars with bipartisan infrastructure coming in. And that's one of the things that these uncommitted voters uh, oftentimes are third party voters and they're... Voters that are not, uh, they have certain privileges. So in, in 2016 and 2020, those protest voters that voted for Jill Stein were typically white men and white women of above a certain income age. You're seeing that a little different this time as you're seeing a lot of minority voters uh, that are that are breaking with the president, maybe because it's of Gaza, maybe because it's of other things. So that's something that the Democratic Party should really be aware about mm-hmm. because it, we we always expect certain groups to splinter off because they do have privilege yeah. and they don't have to vote like their lives depend on it like a lot of these, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of minority voters and lower income voters do.
3: I was just looking at my film because I thought I screenshotted it, but I didn't. I saw a story today, you may know all about it, but one uh, GOP who is going to run for uh, governor uh, of Missouri and was accused of being a member of the KKK <laughs> and his answer was, no, I'm only an honorary member.
6: Yeah, he said he was an honorary member, and that he's a like a white man of privilege or a white man of you know he stands for white men's rights essentially in so many words, and and, and the Republican Party said Shamed Dogan, which is all, I mean, yeah. he's been on your program. He's the one that pointed it out to them on Twitter, and then they But once you accept that filing fee, it's harder to get them off the ballot. Uh, so they are the Republican Party to their credit is trying to get him off the ballot, but they also said you know he said that the Republican Party knew who he was, but it's he like, but but.
3: Can, they make, him? can like, they make him can they make him like, don't you have every right to run, even if you are a full member of the KKK?
6: You do. But it's in president and not presidential and primaries. The party has say so. Okay. We, so the Democrats, they had a, a a representative from St. Louis County, Sarah Unsanker. They dismissed her from the caucus this last year uh, because she was tweeting pictures with a, you know, a Holocaust denier. So they they put her off uh, out of the caucus, and then she decided, oh, I'm going to run for governor. She was originally going to run for attorney general. The Democrats declined to accept her filing fee, therefore keeping her off the Democratic ballot. She has every right to run in other ways as an independent, a third party. You have to collect signatures, but the parties have the say of who actually goes on their primary ballots.
3: Okay, very good. Braxton Payne. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: A weird thought last night.
3: Saw something on the flat Earth. I'm like, you friggin' idiots! <laughs> They're really making you mad lately. Oh, I hate it so much. But, but here's my thought. Do you have any idea how much I wish we just had a flat Earth? That was just it. We just have a flat Earth. We have a dome up there. You don't have this giant universe with all of its mysteries and all of its questions and all of its uncertainties. Like we're just in a little. We're just in a little paperweight which suggests that maybe there was a maker of the paperweight. It would be so much easier for me to believe in a creator if we just knew we could, we could prove we're just in a big, giant paperweight. It's just flat, and there's a dome, and the stars are just like lights up there. That would be so preferable to me.
4: Look, I don't want to give them any sort of legitimacy, but what is it that the—I mean, what do the flat earthers think space is?
3: It's not space. It's a, it's a, it's a, dome. a physical where,
4: dome. Where does the earth exist? That's a
3: good question. In the eye of a giant. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, right? Okay. Yeah. Where is it? Is it suspended somewhere? Is it the only thing in existence? I don't know. I mean, th-
1: this is really though, this is the equivalent of not believing in gravity. Because we, human beings proved the earth was a, was a globe thousands of years ago. Didn't just theorize it, proved it. because when otherwise you...
3: the experiment would have been different.
1: Right. I mean, like they sailed around the Horn of Africa, and the sun changes positions as you're doing that. You're like, "Oh, well, the only way that works is if this thing is round." Like Egyptians figured that out. People before that figured that out. It's not that complicated before we could get to space, which, by the way, we've been in space. <laughs> we have pictures of it.
3: Mm-hmm. Speaking of idiots, have you seen what's going on in Florida with the measles? No. No. So there's an outbreak of measles. And we had beat measles because we had a 97% uh, effective vaccine. And we all took it and no one got measles, right? Now there's an outbreak of measles. The Florida Surgeon General, who's an anti-vaxxer, has put out statements saying I'm leaving it up to the parents whether they send their unvaccinated kids to school or not. Mm. He's giving no guidance on you should if you're not vaccinated, you should get vaccinated right now. And if you're not vaccinated, you should stay away from public school. You should stay away from where there's an outbreak because he just doesn't believe it. And so now the legislators in Florida are trying to get him removed or impeached or something. But it's not going to happen. But. We are just living in the dumbest, non-scientific times. It is very frustrating. It's what? Now, look. I think everyone should have been vaccinated for COVID, but I get it. This is brand new. We've never seen it. We created it out of nothing. We created it in a matter of months. I understand. I understand why people might. I don't understand all the political reasons, but I understand why people could be wary of it. But we're talking about a measles vaccine, something that we've had for decades and decades. Just so dumb.
4: I, yeah, I mean, you just wonder why people think they know better than established science and established medicine. Um I I don't I don't have the kind of confidence that makes me go like, yeah, I know that for many, many years this has been the established truth. But I think I probably I think my gut's telling me the (laughs) what's actually going on here. I don't understand that.
1: So this the same guy, the the Surgeon General of Florida, went on Steve Bannon's podcast and said that the covid vaccines were, quote, the antichrist of all products.
3: And this guy's a Surgeon General of the state.
1: And well, that's the point. Is like, he's a doctor. He he went to I think Wake Forest. I mean, he went. I think he went. Might have gone to Harvard Medical School. Like, he's a doctor, but he's clearly coming from another direction on some of this. Which again is fine in your own personal life, but when you're dictating public policy, I don't think that you know this idea that the devils behind the COVID vaccine makes you sound credible.
4: Right. What science are you using to arrive at that conclusion? (laughs)
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.